Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. If you would open your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're starting a little two-part series on marriage today. Today is uh, uh, marriage, the, the big picture. <laughs> you know, there's some funny people in our office, and one of them is John Pinkerton. And uh, he sent me, he, a lot of times he'll send these slides, you know, hey, do you like this? It's going on the, on the, the sign out at the street. And he had sent an alternative one, and it had uh, the Princess Bride, the good pirate Robert, and, and the girl, and it just said Mowage, the big picture, with, with, with W's instead of R's, and uh, you have to have seen that movie to fully understand that, but uh, hey, before we get going, just real quick, a couple things. Uh, there's budgets, that we start a new budget cycle in August, and those are available in Volunteer Central. There will be an elder or two in there to answer questions. You can pick those up if you want to. Uh, and new service times, Micah hit it there on the announcement, but 9.30 and 11. That's important for this one, 9.30 and 11. Everybody knows that, a little bit of adjustment, trying to get the just parity in the two services. And then uh, the, the last thing is remember next uh, Sunday afternoon, 4 to 7, Jordan and Christy Ogden going to be down from Antioch, Ann Arbor. They've written a book on marriage and stuff, and so they're going to be doing a little seminar with us, and we're looking forward to that. So we got this week, next week, I'll probably be some more incredible stuff I'll be bringing. And uh, <laughs> you haven't heard this one yet, right? We'll, we'll do the cards afterwards. Um, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> thank you. I'm just glad to be preaching again. I, 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 I really am, man. I, I, I love it. I had blast in first service and uh, looking forward to doing it here. Let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Paul says to the Ephesians there, speaking to husbands and wives, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. All right, you guys know I love Ephesians, and I love that section on husbands and wives, but one of the reasons I like that particular, those two verses, is because right there, Paul is reaching all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, and all the way forward to Revelation 21 and 22, and he's bringing them together in those two verses. Just right, he's just bringing the whole gigantic thing together. And we're going to talk about that, the big picture today on marriage. And uh, this past week, I had somebody send me a little article. It's from a journal called First Things. And the article was called A Letter to Aspiring Theologians. Gives you chill bumps, doesn't it? Just all you guys want to go read that one. A Letter to Aspiring Theologians by this famous theologian guy named Kevin Van Hooser. And whether we know it or not, we're all little theologians is we're all trying to know God and then kind of work out what God's wanting us to do in our lives. And that's a, a theology and practice. It's kind of what we're doing. And so in this article, it's really good. He talks about things that are of God and by God and for God. And he gives four great adjectives about theology. And he says, first of all, and I, I agreed with all of them. I want to share them with you. He said, first of all, it's Trinitarian. 
Good theology is Trinitarian. That means when we say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's a Trinitarian statement. So when we're trying to understand the Bible or God, it's Trinitarian. Jesus Christ, Christ means the Anointed One in the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son, the eternal Son of the eternal Father in their shared love and anointing in the Holy Spirit. Trinity. That's what is so, that's, that's just beautiful before creation about our faith. Is that God, what was God doing before creation? Loving it. Sharing love, the mutual love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go into all that. Do you ever see those pictures with Jesus? Those old-timey pictures? You know what He's doing there? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His two natures. Fully God and fully man. That's free. Went in first service. Don't know how it went over in second. Trinitarian. <laughs> Biblical. Okay, so this is the authoritative, inspired Word of God. So good theology is Trinitarian, and it's biblical. And as we read the Scriptures, we look, it's like we're looking along these words to see Jesus, who is the living Word of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, it's, when that's happening, it's yes. It's, it's awesome. So Trinitarian, biblical. Catholicity was the third word that he used. I, no, stay with me. This is all going to fit into marriage in a minute. I, I know, how does this fit? So Catholicity then is uh, like Catholic, not like the Catholic Church, but like the Catholic Church. The, it means the, the entire universal church. And so good theology draws upon all the different streams of historic Christianity to have a full-orbed and rich Christianity today. So you've got the Orthodox and what they saw about the Trinity. You've got the Catholics and all those, those uh, you know, uh, the, the guys I really got into when we were first starting this church 25 years ago. We were, a bunch of us were into Brother Lawrence and uh, all these Catholic guys practice the presence of God, uh, Teresa of Avia and Madame Guion, you know, just, just practice his presence and chew on the word of God. And if you would, just swallow it down into your soul, just that kind of writing. And, uh, but that's a richness of history, right? The, the Protestant Reformation, huge deal. I, just, we've been totally impacted by the Anabaptists, these guys that were actually persecuted by a lot of the other guys that were, but we've been influenced by the Lutherans and the, and the Wesleyans, right? And we've been influenced by, uh, uh, help me, uh, charismatic movement. We've been influenced by the American Restoration Movement. Anybody know what that one is? So back in the early 1800s, these Presbyterians and these Baptists came together and said, hey, let's just be Christians and out of that came another movement that started the Christian church and the disciples of Christ and the churches of Christ. And we've been influenced by those guys. We've been influenced by a lot of people. That's Catholicity. Good theology doesn't chunk stuff from history that's good, but draws on the wealth and the richness of, of, of our history together, our shared history as followers of Jesus Christ. The last word is systematic. And I'm not super... I haven't always liked that word a lot, but what he meant by systematic was to draw upon the fullness of the story of God, that big, rich meta-narrative that we talk about from creation to new creation, that there's a king who's God, 
And even though he was rejected, he came again as Jesus and he declared that the reign of God is here. And we've talked about, you know, that, that's, a, that's a richness of the fullness of, of good theology. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to keep smiling at you guys. This is actually going to get funny in just a minute, but I'm, I'm going to wait. This, I'm... <laughs> so here's the deal. From Genesis to Revelation, this is why I was bringing all that up, marriage is really important. Marriage is really important in the big picture. From Genesis in type, you've got a, a man and a woman to fulfillment in Revelation 21 and 22. And Paul stands there in the center of the New Testament and pulls those ideas together, and it's powerful. And we need a rich, robust theology of marriage in the culture that we live in right now. We really do, because there's, there's a lot of philosophy that's just kind of, it's just, it's kind of a gravity theology. Uh, it's not a theology, it's a philosophy. Humanism is that basically just we're all pretty good and, you know, what works for you works for you and what works for me works for me. But we want to have a rich biblical view of marriage and of all the things that God wants us thinking rightly about. He wants us to understand that that's a covenant between a man and a woman for life. It's a big deal. And so it's not just a couple of isolated Bible verses we go to and say, don't do this or don't do that. No, it's the richness of the entire Bible that God's given us marriage to express what He is like. We are image bearers of the living God. And it's when our relationships are right, you know, when they're really flowing right, it's like, ding! and it's like something goes off in us. The tuning fork goes off like this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way we were made. This is the way it's supposed to really be in life. This is important for us in our culture right now. I got a few stats from Barna a couple weeks ago on the value for marriage. And only 20% of generation, excuse me, 20% of generation Z wants to get married before 30 years old. Okay, so that's a whole lot of young people that aren't thinking about being married. 4% of millennials. And Graydon, that was funny about the not having checks. Um, we have checks. We still use them. Nothing, less and less. That was, a, that was an old people jab, though. 4% of millennials said getting married was part of what makes you an adult. So think about that. You've got a whole lot of people. And 0% of Gen Z said getting married was part of what makes you an adult. So what that means is there's a whole bunch of folks that are saying, there's all these things I want to do in order to grow up and marriage isn't on the radar. So that's a, it's a big deal for us to... This is about marriage, which is about living and loving and leading as deeply as the deeply relational people of God. And I just I can't overemphasize that enough that we... The reason we like healthy relationships is because we're made in the image of God, who is relational at the core of who God is. That's why it's important to talk about the Trinity. At the, at the core of who God is in very essence is persons. Father. Can you say anything more basic than God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship? I mean, 
That's like, that blows my mind. I just spent a few years thinking about it, right? You know, and it's, it's, it continues to expand in my understanding. And so it's a big deal. We are image bearers who are relational. And uh, I had Ben Moss gave me this book this past week by a guy named Peter Scazzaro. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And I want to say something about healthy marriages and healthy singleness right here. Even as we're talking about uh, a marriage, I want to say something about both of them because it's important that, that we grow into people who are healthy emotionally. We can't, we can't go in discipleship beyond our emotional maturity. You know, and, and you know what it's like. Maybe you don't know what it's like. I know what it's like to have something trigger. I was so angry or so hurt or so, felt so alone, and I do something that doesn't fit the situation out of a hurt from the past or a wound. Anybody yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I, I remember driving one time, and I wanted to cuss. And I don't make a practice of that. But I'm, I'm driving, it's like, oh, I was so doggone angry. That's what the emotional health is about, getting to a place of health on the inside so we can function and withstand the pressures of life and things that are happening on the outside. But one of the things he says is we need to live and lead out of, a healthy, out of, a, out of healthy marriages. So that's uh, Scazzaro. And he says, in order to do that, we've got to have ambition. I've got, to, I've got to have ambition. Like, I want to be about the vocation of marriage. I have a calling to be married to this woman, and I want to make that good. I want to... And, and he said, and have passion for it. Not just, I know it's my calling, but I want, to, I want to be into it. I want to just be about her, and I want to forgive and serve and love and all the things that go into a healthy relationship. And then he said something that caught me off guard. He said, the way we live and lead out of healthy marriages is our loudest gospel witness. And that gave me language for something I hadn't been able to put my hands on. That that, that, that is my loudest gospel witness think about that i'm proclaiming jesus by loving my wife well interesting now for years we've had people come up to us and go i just love kim the way that sounds like a girl i just love the way you look at jamie when he's preaching and one of our longtime matriarchs of the church donna miller who's relocated up in the mid cities now but she comes every now and then but, uh, but Donna would come to us and just and put her hands on both of our shoulders and say, I love the way that you guys love each other. And it makes me feel so safe and loved by the way you love each other. And we're like, okay, cool. You know, and didn't, we didn't know that that was a loud gospel witness. I, I mean, I love loving her. And she loves loving me. And, but it's a loud gospel witness. So that's living and leading out of, mar of healthy marriage, but also living and leading out of healthy singleness. Okay, this is a big deal too. Like, because half of our culture is married in the United States and half is single. And check this out. At Antioch, half of our membership is married and half is single. It's a big deal. So Scazzaro talks about vowed celibacy, which we don't talk like the, the early church talked about vowed celibacy all the time. Like it was a high priority 
And marriage was under that. So it was kind of, you know, given to Jesus, and then marriage came. And uh, I think there's some reasons maybe why some of that got lost. I'm going to say something about vowed celibacy and then dedicated celibacy, which is, hey, I'd like to be married one day, but until then, I'm going to be a witness and be in love with Jesus and save myself sexually uh, it, uh, until the time of marriage, a covenant between a man and woman. Everybody tracking on that? So here's some of why I think uh, that, that, that some of that was lost was because in the Protestant Reformation, one of the things that the Protestant church did, all the different strains and things, was to get rid of the monasteries that, were, that represented Catholicism. So they got rid of those monasteries, and with that, they got rid of a pretty healthy value for singleness, for celibacy. You know, Paul talks in a pretty positive way. Jesus was, lived a celibate life. The Apostle Paul lived a celibate life. And, and so there's, this, there's the vowed side, and then there's the dedicated side. This is really uh, interesting. If you've read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you know that Paul's actually making a very strong case. Hey, I wish you were like me. He says that. In the Bible, I wish you were like me. Single. Because I can be devoted to the Lord. Graydon and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and he said, yeah, you're not going to believe this. Uh, one Thanksgiving, uh, in our family, the family would come together, and then they would ask one of the, the kids to do a Bible verse or something. And so it, it was my turn, and I came to the table with a, with a Bible verse uh, for the whole family, and I sat down with them, and I said, today's Bible verse, and he was 11 years old. So you got to imagine 11-year-old Graydon doing this. Okay, so 11-year-old Graydon comes to the table. It's Thanksgiving. And he says, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. <laughs> he, said, he said, nobody laughed. And my, my dad finally goes, <laughs> Um, well, where was I? <laughs> Dedicated celibate. So, so here's the deal. Just like marriage, if you're gonna, if if you're single, then it needs to be, a, you know, it needs to be an ambition to have a holy singleness. It needs to that needs to be an ambition because ultimately, what Scazzaro says is, even in singleness, even in singleness. And doing that in the right way, it becomes your loudest gospel witness. Now, because you're living for the Lord. You're living for the Lord. You're not doing just what everybody else is doing, hooking up and all that kind of stuff, but you're living for the Lord. You are setting yourself aside sexually to be the Lord's. It's like in marriage, you can go really deep in understanding love, but as a single, you can go much broader because you've got other time for relationships and friendships that that married people may not have. That makes sense? So I'm just trying to create value for all of our singles. That, that, because this ultimate, we're talking about marriage, but this is God's view of relationships. So it's not, even as we understand what married love is supposed to be like, it's ultimately about God's other-centered, self-giving, radical love for people that we want to all of us get in on. So back to Ephesians 5 which summarizes this picture. And then the main thing is this today. God wants us to see the big picture so that we will have vision for relationships that will change the world. 
Vision, that, that's, the, that's my burden, is vision for relationships. That's the big picture. Vision for relationships that change the world. So let me pull these two bookends of the Bible together. Go to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. On your electronic devices or Bibles, so either one. And so Genesis 1 ends up and he says, let us, God says, let us make man in our image, male and female, he created them. And then he gave us authority. He gave us authority to rule and reign and to be stewards of the earth in his name, where we express his will, his desire, his words, his thoughts, his actions on the earth. That was our purpose. And then uh, the actual creation piece here is in chapter 2, verse 25, excuse me, verse 20. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this, he didn't, I don't know that he did that. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. And here's that verse that Paul reaches back and grabs. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay, so we were made to be in the image of God, to express God's authority on the earth, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, naked and no shame, a man and a woman together in relationship. We're even anatomically made for each other. It's, this is God's image that is a fullness that only happens when we're together. Okay, So that's this relational piece. And the cool part about that is that's the way God is. He is distinct, but in union. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but one. Sharing so much love that He can only be described as one. Three in one. And that's a picture that we're also representing as a, as a married couple. So Genesis 3 happens, and that's the fall. Um, so much was given up, but we lost part of our image in that. We lost authority in that. And so then God starts working this rescue plan. He comes to a man named Abram, who ult Abraham ultimately is named Abraham, and uh, makes a promise. Through him, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And then he comes to this people, Israel. I want you to be my people. I want you to be like my wife. I'm going to be your husband. I'm going to be faithful to you. I want you to be faithful to me. But Israel didn't do that, right? Israel turns away again and again and again. And all these pictures, Ruth, the kinsman redeemer, all these pictures of marriage throughout the Old Testament, there's this wonderful picture of the Song of Songs, which is this crazy description of married love between a husband and a wife. You know, and I don't know if you knew this, this may make you want to go read Song of Songs, but in ancient Israel, guys couldn't read it until they were 30 years old. 30 years old. And even now, in a lot of traditional settings, you can't read Song of Songs until you've been bar or bat mitzvahed. 13, I guess. So, uh, this, so that's a, it's a picture. And God, like in Hosea, is saying, Israel, 
You're like this picture of Hosea and his wife, this prostitute wife who keeps running away from him again and again. And God says, Hosea, go get her. Go get her because that's what I'm doing with Israel again and again and again. And ultimately, Israel can't do it and it focuses down into this one person, Jesus Christ, who comes as a seed of Israel and he creates a new covenant of married love between God and his people. And everyone who's in Christ gets to participate in this crazy, wonderful, awesome relationship. The good news about it is, is that it's a love relationship, which means if it's real love, then we can say no. Think about that, right? If it's real love, we can say no. It's, it's not real love if she has to do everything I say. It's not real love if I have to do everything she says. But real love is given. It's a choice. There's freedom in that. And there's great joy in that. And that's the good news. God is that kind of God. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have life. Life eternal. Right? Everybody tracking with me? It's kind of the gospel. It's just the truth of God and His love. And so you roll the story forward to Revelation chapter 21. Let's turn there in our Bibles. Revelation 21. Here we go. This is what this fulfillment looks like. Then I saw a new heaven, verse 1, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now is the dwelling of God with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and He, God Himself, will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then He said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And skip on down to verse 9, into the verse there. Come with me, the angel said, and I will show you the, the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and it shone with the glory of God. Okay, so here's why. This is one of these reasons why we talk so much around here about seeing the end. We want to welcome the end that God has for us right here in the present. We want to be people that are all about no more crying, tears, pain, wounding other people. We want to be about healing and helping and making things right and new and expressing the new creation that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's awesome good news. It's a vision of our union with God. That's what's going on there, is that this marriage stuff is about a vision of our union with God. Anybody ever, some of you guys may have been like me, I remember thinking like marriage was first. Like God kind of came up with marriage and then, oh, after fact, He said, you know, yeah, that's what, I, that's what my love is like for you. I love you like, think of a good, healthy marriage. Other way around, right? The reality is God out of His eternal, what was God doing before creation? Love. And out of the fullness of that love, He gives us a, the, the, the marriage 
relationship to show us how deep it really is. I mean, and it's, it's mind-blowing. We've been at it 32 years, wonderful years. We've been at it 32 years, and if I was going to try to tell you, let's say you've been married three years or two years, what it's like to be married at 32, it's, it's inexpressible. Like, you can go, like, it's more, but that's not really it. We heard about somebody just recently that been married 76 years. So 76 years, how do you express that? And what we're talking about, God's given us this so that we'll understand what His love is like for His people. It's blowing my mind. It's, it's, so, so 32 years, we're going to keep going, and if we live and the Lord tarries, then we're going to be 60, we'll be dual carton, the, the walker thing. No, she's not. Not 60 years of marriage. That would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's going to be so deep and mind-blowing. It's incredible. And our love at 60 years of marriage will be scratching the tip of the surface of the iceberg that goes down into the depth of God's infinite love forever and ever. Amen. It's just a picture. And so that's what we're talking about here. Why are weddings so happy? Why are they so happy? It's amazing, isn't it? It's an amazing thought. We just got through with our fourth outdoor wedding last Sunday afternoon at 4.30. That nice breeze. I mean, I've been making friends with all kinds of people walking around our city this last week. All you have to do is walk, look at them and go. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I know. It's stinking hot out here. So we're at the wedding. And uh, man, it was beautiful. And uh, Angela Holland, now Angela Reedy, is on our staff. And she was a, a beautiful bride. It's, it's funny. I had, it was outdoors. I'd looked around, I'd scanned the seats, and I, this was a little bit selfish, but I found a spot that looked like it was going to be in the shade and up kind of close, and, and we sat up there. And then, like, I don't understand how this, this happened, but it, it was just like there was a break in this tree that was behind me, and for the duration of the wedding, this glory beam of sunlight was right on my back. <laughs> Emily's sitting two spots over, and at one point I just went, what is going on? And she's falling out laughing. But behind us was uh, Terrence uh, Butler and uh, his wife and their two, uh, his, his two, two of his grandkids. And they're like eight and nine or something, but Angela had, had been babysitting for them, and that's why they were there. And they'd never been to a wedding before. And these two kids, these two little guys, are beaming with excitement about seeing a wedding. I mean, they're just... They're, they're on the edge of their seat, maybe because they didn't want to lean back and get sweaty, but, but they're on the edge of their seat, and I mean, just, just bouncing, you know, and Angela's beautiful bride comes down. I mean, they're just glowing. Look at, why does, why do weddings do that to us? Angela ends up, uh, Brandon's dad is doing the wedding, and, uh, and at, at one point, he just stops, and he says, can I just tell you guys my daughter-in-law, she's got the most beautiful smile. She's so happy. Angela, would you just turn around and show them? <laughs> and we, I mean, we were just like, yes. Oh, that's so good. Why do weddings make us so, it's just beautiful. There's a longing in our hearts 
for the way it's going to be one day. Lindy Pinkston is not here this morning, but, but she, she got married uh, 15 years ago or something. Does that sound right? And, and, and some of the, the kids of, our, of, of some of her friends, Eden Guile, Jordan Guile, uh, uh, McKenna Brown, so they had these little bells, and they came in skipping and stuff, ringing these bells and saying, the bride is coming, the bride is coming. It, it, was, it was awesome. It was one of the most beautiful weddings I've been to. Uh, Donnie Martin over at Lake Highlands. So he was a youth pastor then. Now he's pastors Antioch, Baton Rouge. But, uh, but uh, Donnie and Brianna, you know, they did the, uh, the, no, the no kiss. There's different variations of, I'm just, everybody's free on kissing or not kissing. I'm not making a theological <laughs> statement about that. But they did the no kiss deal. And so, I mean, it was, whoo, it was passionate. Just, just the, 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 in the room, man. I mean, it was intense. And so she, she comes in the back and I mean, she's, she's a beautiful bride, just a beautiful bride. And, and he starts, as she's walking down the aisle, he's going, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, like he's jumping like Tigger or something. And, and, and I thought, I think we were all just like this I think this is the way it's going to be. That's, that's a picture of the future of, of excitement and longing for Christ and His bride, the church, and us being that beautiful bride that's prepared. Uh, we, had, we just, uh, one month ago today, did uh, Matthew, Matthew got married, our son. Another outdoor wedding down in Austin. <laughs> and uh, and uh, one of the things that we just got, maybe Friday, I think it was, you know, now they take like 4,000 pictures. I just say every... I'm walking away. <laughs> like, wow, that's a lot of pictures. And, but one of the things was her getting ready. I mean, they spent the whole day getting ready. I mean, she was a beautiful bride. Kim went with, they did all the preparations. Kim got the... the <laughs> I was like, Wow. <laughs> I haven't seen you. She goes, I think my eyes are getting weighed down. I don't know if I can keep lifting them up. But the point there is she was beautiful and she had spent all that time preparing. And I mean, it was an awesome watching Matthew, tears running down his face, seeing her come down that aisle. I mean, it's priceless. And yet there's something that's touched in our hearts and it's, it's Christ in the church. It's, it's a picture of that longing. So let me just let me make two points and we'll wrap this up. The first one is this. Marriage is designed by God for intimacy and relationship. In relationship to God and to others. As image bearers, we are designed to love as He loves. So this is where it's for marriage, but it's also in all of our relationships. We're to love like that in our relationships. That's, that's the everybody part as image bearers, to have authority, to express His rule through love, through self-giving love. That's how we do God's authority is through self-giving love for others. And that means being proactive with each other. That means initiating. That means responding. That means uh, just uh, anticipating, protecting, all these different things. It's relationship. And the result of that kind of love is 
so multifaceted. It could be children. It could be uh, other healthy relationships that flow out of a, a healthy, life-giving marriage. But it's a picture for all of us. The second thing that I want to touch on is that Christ in the church shapes the vision and trajectory for marriage and relationships with others. So it's, a, it's, it's like that thing I was just talking about that, that our, something goes off on the inside of us. When we see that marriage, you know, it's a picture of how God loves us. It's a picture of how God wants us to have relationships and to be prepared in our own relationships with others. God, that Revelation 21 picture is just powerful to me that it's God with us, not separated, but God with us and us prepared for Him. And there being no more mourning or crying or tears or pain. And that there literally is no more separation between heaven and earth and between us and our God. And we will see Him face to face and we will be like Him. And that's our promise. And we will love Him. And so then when Paul pulls all this together, Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 22, and starts talking about husbands and wives, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Have come under, serve, love each other. And husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And then when that's happening, man, you're going to find a responsive, life-giving relationship with your bride. That's, that's how that whole thing comes together. He wraps it all up and says, love and respect one another. Love each other, respect each other. And so that's, that's what's going on there. And the big picture, you guys, about marriage is that in, in marriage, God gives us this theological vision for relationships in life. That's what's going on there. It's a vision for us. It's a picture of what it's supposed to be like. It's a vision that's based on His love for us and a love that is ultimately expressed in self-giving. That's why when we say, how would you define love? God says the cross. This is what love looks like. Me laying down my life for you. Now you go and live that way. That's how we, we live out of that vision of what God's done for us. And it's going to be expressed in so many different ways. But here's, here's the, the way the Holy Spirit does this. It's wonderful because the Holy Spirit will apply this in marriages like with Kenny and, and, and Sandy. It's, I don't know everything that's going on there, but the Holy Spirit can help. And with Chris and Heidi, the Holy Spirit will help. Tony and Jan will, will help. And on around this room, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will also help in singleness in relationships and, and how to do relationships right and how to bring friends in and how to be intentional in friendships that, that can be broader because you're not married, but to be loving and kind and like godlike, image-bearing, authoritative, that kind of love being expressed in our relationships. 20 years ago-ish, I mean, it may have been a little bit more than that, but um, I wrote 20 years ago in my notes here and realized it may have been a little more. But I, I saw something. I saw something about Christ in the church that rocked my world and changed my life. And in that vision that I saw of Christ in the church, I realized that the church would for eternity be growing an ever-deepening love for Jesus Christ. That we would forever be growing in that love. And that if I'm in this relationship of love here with her, am a shadow of that love, boom! Wow! That means I get to grow and it gets to keep going deeper for life. 
And I came home and I was like, oh man, like everything's going to get better. Better and better, that's what we say. We literally wrote a little family song. And, uh, but that's our vision, is that it's going to get better spiritually, emotionally, physically. That's, that's mind-blowing, right? And so, it's incredible. And that vision, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect or that there's not bumps along the way and we don't have to forgive each other or work through relational stuff. Just because it's... But the vision, though, we've got a vision, right? Does that make sense? There's a difference between having that vision and needing to do a mid-course correction. And so, 20 years ago, that happened. It's been a blessing ever since. Us trying to walk this thing out of nurturing and caring each other, even in the midst of things that are a part of the human experience and so need the grace of God because we're all broken people. This is not like, there's no shame. There's no, I'm not putting anything on anybody. There's the grace of God for doing this. There's the grace of God for walking this out with joy. I mean, there should be joy, right? That's where this thing goes. So, this isn't just this vision about the big picture of marriage. isn't just about marriage. It's about relationships. And like we said a minute ago, when we get this thing, then we have a vision for relationships that will change the world. And that's what God wants to do in and through the church here. Y'all stand up. Worship team, come on. Ministry team, come on. And if you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. We just take a little bit of time at the end here to respond to God. And so I want to encourage you in a couple ways. When we were praying earlier, uh, before the service, services uh, over in the prayer room, I had a, just a kind of a mental image of, of me looking out and just seeing different people in the congregation and seeing uh, just healing happening in people's lives from hurts or wounds from the past. And I just I want to encourage you to, in faith that God heals he is, Jesus is the great physician. He makes things right out of our broken pieces in the past. And there's grace. There's grace for today and His love. And as far as just responding, so that's a piece. And then another piece is just if you want vision, more vision for your marriage, or just somebody to speak a blessing over you in your singleness or in your marriage, then come and get prayer. And as many people as possible, pray for each other. If the front fills up, then pray for each other. Because the thing that I know about this time is that God changes people's lives right now because He answers prayer. God answers prayer and He will change situations and circumstances and help to make things right even as we pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we are coming to You. We're asking for breakthrough. Every situation that needs a breakthrough. Where there needs to be healing, bring healing. Where things need just vision or where there needs to be a blessing over singleness or over marriages. God, help us to move forward, to get prayer, to be the kind of people that have relationships that make things right in the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, you guys, be bold. Go for it. Pray with people around you. Come up front, get prayer. Let's just press into the Lord. Amen.